Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Time to smash it up once again on a Monday alongside the managing editor of Warchant.com, Irish O'Fell. My name is Tom Lang, and it's springtime, even if it's February, because the Diamond Sports are in full swing for Florida State. We'll talk about that, but there's more goodness to come in a little bit. First of all, I got to say hello officially to the guy on the right side of the screen. Ira, how's it going tonight? I'm great, Tom. How you doing, man? Man, I'm hanging in there. Enjoying the Monday smash. This is uh, the penultimate Monday smash, Ira before we can really get into spring football. So we got this week where we can recap the opening weekend for FSU baseball, what's going on with softball. We'll look ahead, and then also we've got a guest that we'll tell you about in just a couple of minutes. But overall, Ira, I'm doing hunky-dory, man. Baseball's 3-0. and uh, Softball played in Clearwater, just a bike ride from where I grew up, and uh, they won a couple of high-profile games, lost a couple of close ones, too, to UCLA and Alabama. But it's nice, Ira, to have the springtime sports. Even if the weather isn't all the way there, going to warm up in Tallahassee this week a little bit. It's nice to feel that renewal uh, with the new year. I don't know about you. I, I think you you caught the actual atmosphere at, at Hauser Stadium this weekend, too. Yeah, I did. I went out there for uh, parts of all three games. Uh, I was out there pretty much the whole time. I wasn't out there much on Friday, but I was out there Saturday and Sunday uh, for pretty much the whole games. And uh, yeah, it was good, man. It's a great, great environment, great crowds, over 5,000 people for each game. It felt like Florida State baseball is supposed to feel. Um, and, uh, softball, man, I, I'm glad that they're playing again in Clearwater next year. Cause I, I kind of want to go down there, man. That looks like a great environment as well. There's a place or two in Dunedin. I could take you down to that. You would enjoy on the water as well. It's kind of in the cut, but out of the cut. So it's, it's a perfect mm-hmm. little blend. Uh, but yeah, softball beating, uh, I think it was Arkansas. They took care of who else did they, beat? Louis, Louis, Louisiana and then and, uh, Arizona um, to open up Arizona. on Thursday, they dropped six to four to number two UCLA, and then a close one. That was a really entertaining game, uh, the the, uh, the capper in the tournament against Alabama, a two-to-one loss. Uh, it's really good for both programs to have opportunities early. I'm talking softball and baseball, Ira, to measure against some of the best competition in the country. Softball got to do that this past weekend, and then baseball travels out to Dallas this week to take on TCU. A TCU team, Ira, that scored no fewer than eight run in, runs in their first three games. They played heady competition uh, Vandy was one of those teams, I believe Arkansas as well, and then Mizzou, uh, TCU off to a two and one start. So in the second week of the respective seasons, uh, these two sports are really getting to test their mettle and see where they're at. 
Florida State baseball, though, Ira, seems like enthusiasm is up a little bit. Peek behind the curtain. I don't know that Mike Martin Jr. interviews on Warchant TV would have done 1,500 or so views last year, but Link Jarrett sure did. So it seems like people are uh, coming back to see what the new car smell is all about with this uh, 3-0 and start for Link Jarrett. Yeah, for sure. And actually, and Tom Kirkpatrick just said in the chat, don't forget women's basketball. Yep. I actually stopped by there briefly um, over the weekend and uh, watched some of the Tania Latson show. It was senior night. They honored four seniors for the women's basketball team. I think they won, won their 20th or 21st game, yep. but it was uh, Tania Latson, the freshman who scored 31 points. I think that's the seventh time she's gone over 30 points. So uh, it's uh, it's pretty cool to watch her play in that team. And now they're getting ready to go uh, finish up the regular season on the road. Then they have the tournament coming up. But uh, yeah, man, you could just feel the excitement around the baseball program. And, you know, I think part of it is, uh, you know, you do have a new coaching staff and anytime you have a new coaching staff, there's going to be excitement, but everybody knows what Link Jarrett did at Notre Dame. And so there's just a feeling that, you know, people want to see him do that at Florida State. Now, I think, you know, you, I think we would remind people, I'm sure you are and Jeff are on, on the Jeff Cameron show. And, and I'm trying to, and I talk to people as well, it's not going to be an overnight fix. I don't know that he's going to get Florida State into a national championship contender overnight. But I do think I like what him and his staff are doing. I wrote a piece the other day, just kind of after taking in a practice and watching kind of how they run a practice and, um, I really have a lot of confidence in what they're trying to do. It was a good starting weekend, and and it's fun to see the crowd um, just come out. You know, it's a, look, man, Florida State baseball. Going back to when I first started covering Florida State, some in the '90s, uh, certainly when you were in school. I mean, it's always been yeah. one of the cool experiences on this campus, and uh, I'm hoping they can get back to that. The Buster Posey era. That that was my time, and he was by far. Yeah, the best athlete on campus it was Buster Posey in my time as an undergrad. I think Tony Douglas would have been probably second. Uh, but I mean, and that's he had an NBA career, so there's nothing to shake a stick at there. Uh, I remember but- uh, Corey and I actually, there was a point in time where, where football was struggling so much and so much, particularly at the quarterback position, that I remember talking to Corey about, you know, if Buster moved a quarterback, <laughs> like it couldn't be worse than it might be better than it is right now. I, and I don't have any doubt he, he would have done a good job at quarterback. It seems like right now, Ira, there are more good athletes on campus in Florida State athletics across the board than there were in about 2007 or 2008. Tonight, Latson, you're right, seventh 30-point performance this season. That's the most for Florida State in nearly 23 years. I saw that stat today. Since 1999-2000, that there have been that many 30-point performances in a season for a Florida State Seminole. So that's one elite athlete. That's a freshman. Michaela Edenfield on the softball diamond had a rough week in Clearwater, but nobody hits home runs like Michaela Edenfield in the sport of softball. And uh, she'll do great things in her sophomore season. But then also back to the diamond at Dick Hauser Stadium, Cam Smith grabbed my attention this weekend, Ira, immediately and in myriad ways. Uh, There was his first double off the wall where he was dropping down to his back leg on the swing. Then there was also that looked like an off-speed trademark shot over the fence in right field. I don't think he got all of that on Sunday, Ira. Right. And then the quickness in the hot corner as a defender. You know, his the throws are going to take some work, but just, I mean, the 0-60 to that he has as a defender at the hot corner Cam Smith looks like a, one that we're going to enjoy for the next two full seasons after this one. Gotta love MLB draft rules that Cam Smith's going to be a knoll for the next three seasons. Well, we might want to check on the birth date on that one. Uh, 
I might have to do some research there's, on the. There's a birthday rule about you can leave at a certain. If you're end. if you turn if you turn to 21 before that third year, you can oh. go. And I, I think we might want to check on that one. Well, we get we... at least two seasons with Cam Smith, <laughs> <laughs> and it's but... a joy to watch him already. I I know that he'll face better competition, and he's going to look like a freshman at times. And he did. There was a base running mistake he made yesterday. Yeah. Um. But still, still in all, this is a, a different type of talent. And now again in the spring sports, yeah. you got something else. That's must-see TV in, in number uh, 24. He really is. I don't know if, if people didn't watch any of that series or if they haven't heard much about him. He is one you're going to want to go see. And if you can go see him in person, you're going to want to do that because I think down the road, you're probably going to want to tell people you remember watching him in person in college and and getting the experience as close as fans get to be around college baseball players. Uh, it can be a really cool experience. That was the closest FSU fans ever got to Jameis Winston when he was playing baseball. You could you could get in line and get his autograph and spend time talking to him. Things you don't really get to do in football. But no, he's special. And I thought the one of the coolest moments, and there were several of them last weekend. But one of the coolest ones was um, in that last game. You know, you got a freshman Jamie Arnold pitching, and he Jamie Arnold plunks the first battery faces with the first pitch he throws. His first college pitch is plunking a guy. That guy's at first base. The next ball is hit really hard right at Cam Smith. And, you know, the split second, you're thinking to yourself, oh, no, he's hitting it at a freshman after the freshman just hit a kid. And now this thing could get, you know, you just don't want to fall down, fall, fall behind 2 nothing or 3 nothing in the first inning of a game against a team you expect to beat. And Cam Smith, man, just picked it up cleanly, waited for, uh, the you know, the relay at second, turns a double play. And, and they're, you know, now that's a two, two outs, they get the next batter to strike out, I think and you're out of the inning. And that was so big for – it's not just big for Jamie Arnold, but it just shows you what that kid's made of. It's not just his physical ability, which is immense, but he's a pretty mature kid for a freshman. That usually comes with the expectations when you're pegged earlier on in life. You have to grow up right. faster than everybody else. It looks like he, he might be one of those. And, again, we don't know Link Jarrett all that well in the midst of a, of a season. He's only coached three games. But, I mean, if you're going to bat him second, you've got true freshmen at first and second in the lineup. That is a coach endorsing somebody's mental ability, I think, just as yeah. much as he does their, their athletic ability. So for Florida State baseball, it's off to Jacksonville uh, for a game on the road tomorrow night. And then they go to Dallas, uh, the Dallas area, to take on TCU for a weekend series. It should be an interesting slate for them this week. We're going to be joined in a few moments tonight by Peter Schoenthal. If you have not seen a video with him before on Warchant TV, he's kind of our resident expert, Ira, uh, somebody that you reached out to and have talked with at length about NIL and, and the future of college football in, in many ways, uh, college sports in many ways. But uh, we're going to talk to Peter, the CEO of Athlions, here in just a moment about the NIL legislation that was uh, ratified, I guess you could say, but is passed in both uh, uh, houses of legislation in the state of Florida. The governor signed it last week. It was a big to-do and photo op. And now what are the ramifications of that? I don't know, but thank goodness Peter's going to join us because he sure does. Before we bring him on, Ira, what are your thoughts about uh, you know, at a 100,000-foot view of what happened uh, since we last spoke on the smash regarding NIL and uh, NIL rules. Yeah, no, I think it's, it's it's a positive step for sure. You know, the state of Florida, and it's confusing because if you, were, if you haven't been paying close attention, all you heard was two or three years ago, Florida was the first, one of the first states to get out in front of it. Then they kind of got behind it because of the NCAA legislation. And, you know, and again, Peter will say it's it, it wasn't that big of a deal to not to the Florida law didn't hurt the state schools that much, uh, but it was a little bit of a problem, and especially uh, as as things are evolving in the, in the NIL space. So the state of Florida made the change, and, and they're moving back. So I think it was a positive step. 
but uh, you know, I think Peter would say it's not a huge difference, um, but it just, you know, again, just kind of puts Florida schools on the same uh, playing field as everybody else. I can see him in the green room now, and he's got a cap that most people are going to like here on Sunday Smash. Let's bring him into the show. Welcome on Monday Smash. That is Peter Schoenthal, CEO of Math Lions. Peter, we talked in a couple of video settings before, uh, but now it's actually live and on the air. How are you doing this evening? Good. I just rushed back over here, over here to the studio. I put my FSU hat on because I'm a mess uh, from the gym. But I was thinking I have all this retro FSU gear, stuff that Bobby used to wear and used to wear in the 90s. And I think I'm going to bring it on and putting it on when we do some of these sessions here. Uh, show some of that, that, uh, that Noel swag I, swag I got. That's awesome. awesome. Well, welcome, uh, Peter. We're going to ask you, and uh, I'll do it the way that I think a lot of people in the chat right now, WarChant TV, and if you haven't already, throw us a like and subscribe to WarChant TV. It's absolutely free. Uh, Peter, what the hell just happened last week? Like, <laughs> make sense of it for me. How does this either benefit Florida State, uh, change the way they operate, hurt them, uh, spear the battles end? Uh, what are the ramifications of what just happened here in the state of Florida? No, you know, I, I was I was back to listen to Ira and he kind of nailed it. Florida starts this thing, right? Um, we were probably probably really going to name image and likeness nationwide in, in 2023. But Chip Lamarck and company speed it up and we start July 1st of 2021. But by being the first mover, we kind of try to guess at what this bill would look like. And so we ended up having a more restrictive state bill than the NCAA had in their legislation Starting four months ago, I've been on record that the state bill really didn't mean anything for a long time. But four months, months ago, the AA came out and gave us. Unfortunately, I'm sorry, Peter, I had to pull the plug there for a moment. Uh, there was a bit of an echo and uh, a technical issue going on with uh, Peter's feed. We'll return to that explanation in just a moment. Uh, Peter, I don't know if you want to reconnect or not, but Director Ben and I were looking back. Ira, did you hear that as well? Folks in the chat. Maybe yeah. I was jumping around a little bit. We'll see if we can clean that up. If not, uh, Peter, a backup plan. We'll talk to you on the fly. Maybe connect from your phone uh, with a stable Wi-Fi connection, and we can jump back in. Uh, but uh, we'll we'll get back to Peter in just a moment. Uh, Ira, real quick on a topic that we can buy a couple minutes with. Uh, as we're getting into uh, Florida State spring football coverage here on Warchant TV, uh, we do have a couple of announcements. Number one, this week we're going to have interviews with the coordinators. Adam Fuller's on the books to join the Jeff Cameron Show on Wednesday. Alex Atkins uh, is tentative also this week. But we get to go see the final tour of duty workout a week from uh, Thursday. Uh, we get to see the final set. I, I don't know that we get to bring in photos, uh, opportunity for a camera or video, uh, but we get to see what, what kind of hard work these guys have put in in the offseason. Uh, what are some things that you'll be looking for when we get the tour of duty workout next Thursday? Yeah, I think last year, I think they did not allow video. I can't remember if they allowed photos for part of it or not. Uh, the idea is, you know, I think it's one of those events, like those workouts, I think fans always want to see those. And in the media, we want to see them as well. Um, but they're not always putting everybody in their best positive light. You know, if you've got a guy that's, you know, being put through this intense workout, maybe he's got a, maybe uh, empty his, his lunch, in a trash can that maybe they don't want the cameras around the video around. Um, it's a real arduous workout. And, uh, even at the end of the, the, the uh, the month of tour duties, it's still a, a pretty rigorous, uh, it's very rigorous for those guys. So I don't know if we'll have photos or video, but we will be there. And the biggest thing that, you know, I think we all want to see is probably going to be the newcomers, you know, for the returning players and the veterans, and even the guys who were freshmen last year, a lot of those guys have already been through the tour of duty. 
But these newcomers, it's new to them. Even if they've been in college football for three or four years, it's a different set of workouts, a different demanding process. So I think that that's where most of our attention is going to be. And I think there's, uh, I'm not sure exactly how many freshmen that are on campus, but uh, less than 10, but several freshmen that are on campus as well. So checking those guys out and we'll be writing about it. I don't know that we're going to have video or not. We'll find out for sure next week. The good thing is we can be like Braden Fisk, who's a transfer on campus, one of the newcomers, obviously, from Western Michigan. He says that there's a different class of athlete at Florida State than when he was at Western Michigan. I don't know. We went to one of these, Ira, just before the pandemic, and I think we would have said the class of athlete was on par with Western Michigan. So we'll be documenting uh, the improvements for FSU. But let's go back to at NIL Pete on Twitter. He's Peter Schoenthal. Might have been a microphone issue. Let's see if we've cleared it up. But, Peter, welcome back to the program. If you don't mind restarting, what happened uh, in terms of ramifications for Florida State, the collectives, as it pertains to the new legislation in the state of Florida for NIL? Yeah, of course. I'll, I'll take another crack at it. Uh, looks like the mic is a little better. Yes. So for the first 17, 18 months, the state bill really didn't matter. Um, it was great that Florida was one of the first movers. In fact, NIL was going to start 2023. Chip Lamarca and company, by moving their bill up, got NIL to start July of 2021. Um, but we really didn't have a lot of legislation from the NCAA. Uh, schools were trying to anticipate what they could and couldn't do. So I didn't really care about the state bills. About four months ago, though, the NCAA came in and gave us further clarification on what schools could and couldn't do in regards to helping athletes get deals. They basically created a separation of church and state, which was schools could not broker deals for athletes. They couldn't negotiate deals. But what they could do was promote booster clubs, booster collectives, other organizations that were doing the right thing to help athletes get deals. Unfortunately, in the state bill, there was this clause that said schools could not cause compensation. Now, that's a very vague statement, but a lot of the schools were afraid that by connecting athletes with boosters, by connecting athletes with brands, you were causing compensation. So that actually put the state of Florida and Florida schools behind the eight ball. Florida State was unable to come out and support Rising Spear, although they, they jumped the gun and did do it a little early because they knew where the bill was going. They couldn't promote battles. And when we saw other schools in other states really getting involved with their collectives and promoting. So what this bill really does, and I'm a big believer that now we have what we need from the NCAA. We don't need state bills, but we are now on par as a state with the NCAA, I mean, who would have thought our state would have been more restrictive than the NCAA, but it happened. And now we're in a position where we can compete with everyone. I had mentioned earlier, Florida State has done a really good job with a slow and steady approach, which ended up working, whether that was on accident or on purpose. And I think we're in a really good spot. You you, you made the comment, uh, you actually posting on the Warchant message boards. You, I think you made a comment or it might have been on Twitter. Uh, people can follow you on Twitter as well at NILP, but um, you made a comment about this. They still can't, the school still can't be organizing deals, right? Like Mike Norvell can't be setting up marketing deals, but, but he, there is a little bit more leeway than there was previously. Right. Yes. Listen, whether it's the, you know, I don't care what state you're in a, a coach, a school cannot go and negotiate the deal and broker the deal. And if you think about it from a liability standpoint, it makes total sense. Right. Let's use a non-Florida State example, right? Because I don't want to talk about a possible negative situation for you know Florida State guys. Let's go down to Gainesville and let's say the University of Florida helped broker a car deal for Anthony Richardson, 
and Anthony Richardson gets in a car, has a few drinks, and kills someone. I mean, there's huge liability. There's a lot of reasons you can't do that. So, yeah, schools can't do that. They can do all of the financial literacy. They can educate their student-athletes. They can now connect them. But the schools can't be a part of the brokering the deals and, and negotiating their contract. And that's probably the right thing. If you think Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia have an advantage now, let them go broker deals for kids. <laughs> you know, the, 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 I was made, made the comparison. I was talking to somebody about, um, you know, if you look at the NFL model or really any pro sports, the coaches coach the players. The, the front office is more involved with the, the financials. Yeah. And so like if a financial situation is not exactly what a player wants, they, their issue is with the, the front end, the front office. I feel like that's kind of where this is going here in college sports to where, you know, if a player is not happy with their deal, they don't necessarily have to get mad at their position coach or whatever deals that they're able to get in the open market. That's between them and their agents, their representatives and or different NIL um, organizations so that kind of keeps – it gives a little separation, I think, from the coaching staff from that standpoint too, I think, right? Absolutely. Another great example of that is logo use, right? We see it all the time in the NFL. If you want to use a logo, you got to be a corporate sponsor. I can't go have Saquon Barkley support my business and use the Giants logo or the NFL logo. I've got to go through the NFL. We're starting to see that in college as well. These athletes have plenty of name recognition and brand recognition on their own. Um you know, it's really interesting that you bring that up, Ira. We talked about on our first, uh, uh, we'll call it uh, YouTube video, mm -hmm. that I saw the future of NIL being not necessarily with collectives, but with actual booster clubs, right? Mm -hmm. Booster clubs have the structure, the boards, the employees to run a legitimate business. They're risk averse. They're never going to put the university in a bad position. And it's their job to carry out advancement and development, which is NIL. And it just so happens we get an announcement from Texas A&M and the 12th Man Fund and I don't want to call myself NIL Nostradamus, but I'm about <laughs> to change the Twitter name, right? Because that was exactly what we called. It's happening. This space is going to take another three years to figure out. But we're starting to see what this could look like if you're willing to play, you know, within the rules, but get creative. Because I promise you, enforcement cavalry is coming. Yeah, Peter, I've got a question for you real quick. There's something that uh, the CEO of On3, Shannon Terry, uh, the parent company at Warchant.com is on the network of On3. He mentioned something about market value and how things are shrinking down. Like There was almost not quite a bubble effect, but an, an exaggeration of the metronome of what a player and what a roster, specifically in football, is going to cost in NIL terms. And, you know, we saw we all saw the story about Rashada and we all laughed at it, too, about 13 million. I mean, it's crazy for one four star quarterback, but that the idea that a roster could have been worth 20 million, like was rumored by uh, sliced bread. Right. And, and Jimbo's favorite guy on the Internet uh, for Texas A&M, that that is now a market that's correcting itself. Do you do you foresee that that's something that's that's happening in the NIL game? Speaking generally, of course, that now that everybody's out there and all states seem to be kind of getting on the same playing field that that kind of market force is starting to dictate what a player is worth and it's regulating itself a little bit more? Yeah, and I really think there's there's two reasons for that. One, I think you're seeing schools and coaching staffs recognize we got to be careful with, and again, we're going to talk about this in the legal sense, right? We got to be careful with how deep we want to go into the recruiting world, right? How much do we want to talk about recruiting and NIL and the quote unquote bag dropping? Because how can that impact your culture, right? We saw a lot of teams that were rumored to have gotten out into the recruiting world with NIL heavy. 
and they did not have good years. So I think you're seeing schools focus more on retention, more on equity and equality-based, merit-based, and it's working. And then also, I, I think the bigger thing is return on your investment. We have a lot of people that, you know, donate to these collectives, to these booster funds. And, you know, they're investors in the real world. They own businesses. I don't think and everyone realize unless like you're really involved. Wow. If in my class and if I have a top five class, if I hit on it, 50 percent of my kids, that's a big time hit rate. The ROI is low. So when you realize that the recruiting game is difficult and, and kids were asking for astronomical numbers and you realize the safer bet is more equity and retention based within your own locker room. I think both of those two factors really indicate a shrinking market, but a more realistic market. Some of those numbers we heard, they were ridiculous. And, and by the way, a lot of those numbers weren't real. I think that was another part of what Shannon was talking about. Agents were leaking numbers that weren't real to try to drive up the market. Now that we're starting to learn a little bit more about the data, we can be a little bit more realistic and we can have a normal space of what this is and really talk about what are you actually worth, not how can I get you to come to my school by any means necessary. And the last thing I want to ask you about, Peter, and I, we'll let you get going. I know you got other things going on, but uh, it seems like we're seeing some other changes in terms of like these collectives on different campuses. Some schools collectives are going away. Some schools collectives are emerging with the the blessing of the university. I think it's Southern Cal. And like you said, Texas A&M, now it's part of the boosters. And uh, you're seeing some schools where, um, you know, basically the school is aligning with one collective and the other collective is getting, getting frozen out. Is that because of that ruling a few months ago? And then also, um, is there going to be a lot more of that shaking out, do you think, across the country? So I think you're, you're going to see a lot more of that shaking out. One of the phrases we use at Athliance is confusion leads to an action. If you have four or five collectives, I don't know where to go, what to do, who to give to, and I'm just not going to get involved. I'm a big believer that from a collective standpoint, you should have no more than two, and they both have to have different functions, right? Let's talk about Florida State. You have Rising Spear and Battle's End. Battle's End seems to be totally focused on football, right? There's less university involvement in Battle's End from a promotional standpoint, because the more you're involved as a university, the more Title IX implications attach, which means you have to be, you know, have more, you know, equity when it comes to your men's sports and your, and your women's sports. But by having battles and focus on football, it frees up uh, Rising Spear to focus more on all the other sports and do, you know, get Title IX compliant and make sure all of our athletes are doing a good job. You see a lot of schools have two collectives where one's a 501c3, almost works as a charity, and the other one's for profit. I think as long as you have those two types of setups, you're fine. When you start getting into the three, the four, everyone's competing, that's not what this is about. We talk with collectives all the time. This isn't an ego thing. That's why booster clubs are perfect for this. There's no ego. It's all about advancement of the athletic department, right? Development of the athletes. We as supporters need to support. I should not be turning into a general manager and an owner. So now that the NCAA came out and said schools can promote collectives and booster clubs, that means they can disassociate as well. Don't give to that collective, that booster club, if they're not doing the right thing. So I think you're seeing schools start to take a little bit more control, pick the quote unquote winner, and also consolidate the space so there's unified efforts, not just within the part department, but also externally with boosters and other people that can donate to the funds. Hey, headliners, it's Ira here, and it's time to talk Shopify. As you remember, a couple years ago, I wanted to create and sell Headlines merch for the best podcast listeners in the world. 
That's you guys. But I had no idea where to get started. Now we're selling Yay Sausage shirts, and it's so easy, all because we use Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're a startup working out of your man cave or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool you'll need to grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. You could be selling Don Julio socks from Shopify's in-person point-of-sale system or offering headliner shirts from Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform. Whatever you need, you're covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. So you'll sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I really love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash warchant, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash warchant, all lowercase, now to grow your business, no matter what stage of the game you're in. Shopify.com slash warchant. Good stuff there. And you saw at Florida State, there was somebody uh, obviously in our chat that saw as well the Battles End tweeted out, for example, in the Tallahassee, the Florida State market, that Mike Norvell had a brief message. That's going to be the centerpiece, I believe, of a website that's launching for the Battles End of the near future. So we'll cover that at warchant.com and warchant TV. Uh, but when these needs arise, uh, and they will more and more in this age of college football, where we got to read through contract language or legislation. That's what Peter Schoenthal is here for. Peter, really, really appreciate the time tonight. And again, man, keep on cranking out some of the good vintage gear as you make a period uh, on Warchant TV. People will be very happy about it. Oh, I, 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 I almost want to come on more because I, I, I got gear to share. So you let me know and I'll come on. That's not, I just got to call the dry cleaner. We'll be fine. Sounds good. Thanks, man. Take that was Peter Schoenthal, CEO of Athlions, and uh, somebody who you know, makes sense of the very dense things for us in a fun and engaging way. Uh, Ira, any reaction to what Peter had to say, or, or did he say some of the things that you expected to hear from somebody who is an expert in the field? Yeah, you know, and he and I talked a little bit about about it offline or texted some. When when I see a news story related to NIL, a lot of times I'll text him and just kind of get his thoughts on it, and it's helpful, uh, you know, bring him on and have him talk to the to the audience. But um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, again, like locally from Florida State standpoint. Obviously, the battles end his, um, you know kind of jumped into the, the made the big splash with uh, all the football signings and the um, and I guess they'll be starting to take donations soon. Um, and I think, you know, you, I think you've talked about having uh, I think Ingram on the Jeff Cameron show and help them kind of get the word out, but they're going to be taking donations, right? Uh, yeah. That the crowdsourcing is the next phase of what they're doing. They wanted to prove it. And I'll address that here. Eight five Oh daddy. Look, right now they don't have a website up. Battle Zen has been doing everything on their own to prove self-sufficiency. That was their stated message and goal on social media was watch us work and then we're going to ask for support later. Well, they're about to launch a website. When they do, you will see the coverage that goes along with it, just like we did when Rising Spear launched, oh, what was that, a year plus ago? Yeah. Uh, but that'll be coming and look forward to that, 850-DADDY on Warchant.com, Warchant TV. It's a it's a new era, Ira. It's 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 interesting because you know we learned it in December, just in terms of coverage. Usually that month kind of drops off a little bit in terms of interest. Uh, you've got the early signing day that appears out of nowhere. Then you've got the bowl game if you win six games or more, which Florida State finally did. 
and then he kind of coasts for a little bit. December is now a crazy month, especially if you're in the NIL game, if you're with a, a collective like the Battle's End or Rising Spear, because roster management begins the moment that that 12th game is over if you don't make it to the conference championship. We're all adapting to a new calendar. Do you think next December is going to be the same? That, that's Corey and I were talking about that the other day. Like, not only are you having to announce, you know, which, you know, I guess which transfers uh, who are, you know, you're, you're recruiting from the transfer portal. The signing period is in December, but then, you know, you have players deciding whether or not they're going to stay or they're going to transfer. And so you've got that player retention part going on. And that's where we got the flurry of announcement of some players signing with the battles in. And uh, I don't know, are they going to announce those every year? If a guy signed with battles end last December, is he going to announce it next December that, Hey, I'm staying for another year with the battles in that, that I don't know. Do they show like a little thing of steps and it's like continuing the climb and it's like yes. step two that they put the player on instead of step three? I don't know. I, I think I think we're just going to be trading one graphic for another as somebody who does graphics with director Ben behind the scenes. Like we had so many of those this year that said run it back. Well, this year there's going to be a lot that say going pro, you know, because a lot of guys are going to be making their announcements or moving on if they haven't exhausted their eligibility. Because there are guys like I think Robert Scott, Maurice Smith could actually come back for another year after this if they wanted to. So some guys have, have decisions to make. But then, Ira, there are going to be so many holes in the roster after this season that I would think that incoming transfers might be, again, a big part of the equation in December or January. So I, I think it almost well, takes one form or the other, but there's always like a net similar effect of, of how much roster movement there is. Or the graphics will be saying still running it back. Um, <laughs> if, if, Ben, you want to put that question back up from Florida Man in Texas. Um, so he asked, will contributions to the collectives hurt booster numbers and season ticket peak, uh, perk interest? Uh, that, that's a big question. I think a lot of people are wondering about that because if, if say someone's got $500 or a thousand dollars, whatever it is, they want to put it into the program and they say, okay, well, I want to give it to a collective cause I know that's going to go directly to the players. Is that going to take away from booster donations from everything the people at Seminole Boosters are saying? They haven't felt an impact from that standpoint. It's not like they're seeing a decline, uh, no, at least what, what they tell me, is they're not seeing a noticeable decline in in uh, you know donations. Because part of it is, like you said, you know people have to donate to get their season tickets or the parking passes and all those kinds of things. So it hasn't been a major impact. Uh, it could be at some point, and that's something everybody's kind of keeping an eye out on. But I thought that was kind of interesting. What um, Peter was saying is that, like what Texas A&M is doing, they're actually going to have it as part of the booster portfolio now. It's part of the the booster organization. So I think that's going to probably give them a better handle on directing people to where they want to give their money. And that's kind of what they've always done. Like in the past, you could give to football or you could give to women's basketball. I think. Uh, I think you have you and uh, yep. your your wife have made some donations to specific sports in the past, and yep. so you have those options. Well, now you know they would have the option of doing it to NIL. But as far as we know, from everything I've heard anecdotally, there hasn't been a big impact so far. No, at some point they're either going to compete against each other or it's going to be streamlined. I, I totally agree with you. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's the one thing that that I enjoy about the booster model is that if you donate to a coach's club, then that's where every dollar you donate is supposed to go. Um, and softball has been one of those programs that we've supported uh, for the past few years because, uh, frankly, from where I sit, do a lot of promotion during the day job for the football program and other ones. Softball needs a little bit more. They could, every dollar matters more to them. And they always matter to us on WarChan TV. Z-Chan, the official DMD of WarChan TV. Thank you, Z-Chan, for popping in 
And thank you again for your contribution. Got a chance to meet Norvell a couple of weeks ago. Zach says he was exactly the individual I suspected he was in talking to him at every turn. I am further convinced that we got the right guy. Let's go. Well, I mean, I, I believe we have not had a smash since the contract, maybe one of them. Uh, but he's been on the booster tour since then. He probably exudes more confidence and, and he's probably a little bit more relaxed about the big picture as Mike Norvell. Would you agree with that after seeing him in person last week in Pensacola? Thanks, Zach. I appreciate it also. Uh, yeah, you know, I think he probably is. Um, you know, look, he he has known that there were people that weren't sure about him. You know, uh, you know, he's, he's um, I'm not going to say he's, listen, all coaches know what's out there. You know, Jimbo Fisher knew what was out there. He had people that would tell him and his, you know, family members and friends who would tell him things that we said on the radio would tell him things that people post on the message boards, things people wrote, that stuff gets back. And so if you're a coach, you're going to hear what people are saying. And he, he's not a dummy. He knows they were three and six and five and seven and, and that people were not sure if he was going to be the guy. And so even if people were nice to you in person, I'm sure he's thinking to himself, you know, they probably want me gone or they don't know if I'm really the right guy. Well, now he can walk into rooms as the guy who just kicked Miami's ass just beat Florida, just beat Oklahoma, just beat LSU. He's got 10 wins. Uh, so I don't think it's the contract, but it's just he knows now that people see him in a different light. And I think he's, yeah, There's there's got to be a different level of confidence to that. And I thought, yeah, he was tremendous at the Pensacola booster stop. Um, but, man, he's making the rounds. He was in Daytona this weekend. Um, yeah. you know, he was he was down uh, spending time with the Seminole Tribe uh, this weekend as well. And, um, you know, he's, he's he does a very good job of not just – Obviously, coaching, he's done a good job at that, but he does a very good job on the, the people side of it as well. And he's making a lot of fans, just like Z-Chan. <laughs> well, Z-Chan is making uh, a, a lot of fans uh, here on WarChan TV. And the WarChan Empire is a pillar. Thank you again, uh, Zach. Yeah, it's always good to see, Ira, that when you know the marching chiefs uh, or Mike Norvell or any, you know, somebody that's high up, Michael Alford and others within the organization of Florida State, make it down and they interact with the Seminole Tribe of Florida. Uh, that's that's always a good thing to see and respect needs to be paid. And it was this yeah. weekend by Mike Norvell after uh, spending some time in Daytona at the Daytona 500 uh, for that big weekend over there. So he is making the rounds. Uh, I'm curious about this one, Ira. We'll get to a question in the chat in just a moment. And if you have some questions for us in the final 25 minutes, feel free to fire away in the chat. Warchant TV, nearly 200 of you here on Monday, February the 20th. Hit the like button and subscribe to Warchant TV. It's absolutely free. Ira, Mike Norvell was remarkably consistent when things were not going well. And he had a chance, and, and it's Corey's famous question that he likes to bring up, and so I'll bring it up for him, uh, the Monday after 0-4. And, and that seemed like a turning point from the media's perspective. But he's always been so damn consistent. Do you expect the consistency in the message to continue this year? Or with greater expectations and a bigger talent pool, do you think Mike Norvell might ratchet up his, his messaging and the way he does things? I think it'll be pretty similar, you know, in the, in the, the neat thing, I think from his perspective, and he's got to be happy to see it is, you know, it's something he talked about when we were in Pensacola was that, you know, he, he has been very pleased to see the way the guys who decided to come back, we talked about all those guys that signed with battles in, in December and they couldn't look, they had choices. And some people rolled their eyes with some of those announcements. If a guy who's just a starter, but is not necessarily a first or second round pick in the NFL announced he was coming back. Some people kind of rolled their eyes at that. Well, in this era of the transfer portal, it's a big deal. Those guys could go wherever they want now. 
And there were players on this team, I can tell you for a fact, there are players on this team who didn't play this past season who had opportunities out there if they wanted to go to other schools for NIL opportunities because that's just the way things are now. And so, but but all the players that chose to stay, chose to stay particularly the Jared Verses and Trey Bensons and Jordan Travis's and Johnny Wilson's and Micah Pittman's and those Tatum Bethune and Kalen Dutch, those guys who all chose to stay are setting the tone is what Mike Norvell said, that in every workout, in when, you know, whether it's organizing guys to get together beyond the, the team organized workouts, that those guys are setting the expectations, setting the tone. Man, that's that's a great place for Mike Norvell to be because now he doesn't have to do the thing that we all talked about in 2014. In 2014, after Florida State won the national title, Jimbo Fisher had to come up with 500 different motivational ploys to try to get those players to keep pushing themselves. And he was unsuccessful. They did not do that. Um, and that's why every game was kind of a nail biter because they weren't focused. Well, this team, he's not at that point yet. These guys are policing themselves. They're pushing themselves. And so I think he's going to be able to keep doing what he does just with better players. Yeah, and in the grand scheme of things, too, 10 wins is an amazing accomplishment from where they were the year prior. But they haven't done anything yet in the grand scheme of, of ACC championships, college football playoff berths. And the great thing about going to the transfer portal as much as they do, Ira, is you naturally have dudes that have chips on their shoulders because they're, they're at their second institution for a reason, whether it's because they weren't recruited out of high school or they fell out of favor somewhere else. You're getting guys that are all on the same page because this is it. This is The incentive is it's apparent. Uh, Charlie asks in the chat, how do we retain Alex Atkins if this team meets or exceeds expectations? I'll, I'll make that specific to this upcoming season. Outside of paying him more, I, you know, I don't know the, the proper answer, but Ira, uh, obviously his stock is on the rise as Alex Atkins. Uh, do you think if Florida State's offense is elite and, you know, that you can easily see how in 2023, you know, who's going to come calling for Alex Atkins? Group of five for head coaches? Uh, lower lower level power five. Uh, what what could Alex Atkins be looking forward to in the next year? Look, I can't I can't speak for him, but from talking to people around Coach Atkins, uh, I don't think he's on a I don't think he's on a, a mission to become a head coach as soon as possible. Um, so I think you know you might more have to be concerned about a school that wants to throw two million dollars at him to be the offensive line coach slash off slash offensive coordinator if that were to happen at some point. Um, I don't think in a year that he's going to be a hot candidate to be a power five head coach. I just, I know Florida state fans think that that might happen and and maybe it does. And if it does, it's something he might, he would have to think about, but I don't think he's nothing about the way he carries himself is the way a coach who's dying to be a head coach carries himself. I think he's very happy being an offensive line coach slash offense coordinator. I think he loves working with Mike Norvell. I think he loves what they're putting into place. Um, and I think he knows that they're going to pay him. I mean, he's going to be, he, they're all getting raises. They haven't released those contracts yet. Mike Norvell's contract got announced, but the assistant coaches are from what I understand. I think they're all getting raises and that's going to be coming out soon. We'll, we'll get those, pa that paperwork They're He's going to be paid quite handsomely to be an offensive line coach slash offensive coordinators. And then if they have success again next year and the year after that, then he might get more money to stay here. I think you look at the guys, to me, you look at the guys like Brent Venables and, and there's plenty of other coaches that have been coordinators for a long time before they try to be a head coach. And I wouldn't be surprised if Alex Atkins is, in the, is more in that kind of mold. Um, we'll see. I could be totally wrong, but I don't get the sense 
from anything about watching him that he's just dying to be a head coach. I think he's very happy what he's doing now. Now, other schools may offer him a lot of money and Florida State may have to keep giving him more money to keep him, but I, I don't see a great desire to rush out and be a head coach right now. Yeah, personalities are, are different. It's just like anything else in any other walk of life. I remember Walt Bell, who was not nearly as good of an offensive coordinator as Alex Atkins or a position coach, uh, say on the record that you won't meet somebody uh, more ambitious than I am. Well, yeah, if you're going to take the head coaching gig at UMass, you're, you're fairly ambitious, I would say. Uh, and this is just something that seems to be, at least right now, Ira, completely on the rise when you're talking about not just the program, but more specifically the offense. Your stock only grows as Florida State continues to produce. And if Jordan Travis, you know, departs and in 2024, the offense is still productive. Who gets credit? Yeah, Mike Norvell does, but Alex Atkins' star only rises all the more. Uh, Zyler asks, what unit uh, will see the most improvement in 2023? Defensive backs, linebackers, or tight ends? Ira, there's one obvious one in there, but which one would you say? I mean, you got it's got to be tight end, obviously. Yeah. Um, you go from, you know, Cam McDonald, who was a solid college football player to Jaheim Bell, who might be a superstar. Um, you know, we'll see. Uh, but you also have, uh, Marquise and Douglas, who really came on last season as the year went on, I think has got a ton of potential. Uh, and then you also brought in, uh, the, uh, Kyle Morlock from uh, shorter college. And, and then they have a couple other guys that we like as well on that, in that position group. So, uh, yeah, tight end is going to be the group of the other two. I pro I'm going to say, I don't know, man. I'd probably say, uh, it's hard to say DB because you're losing Jamie Robinson, right? Yeah, that's uh, that's the holdup there. Uh, but Central that's... Cypress helps a lot, but yep. it's hard to say you're going to get better back there. Um, Linebacker is going to be this basically the same guys. Now they might look better though if you're better up front, and I think they might they should be better up front. And they might be more healthy too. There is clearly yeah. something up with both Tatum Bethune and, and Kalen Deloach as the season wore on. Some of that's wear and tear of football, but it seemed to be a little bit more than that in, in this particular case in 2022. I would say about the defensive backfield, Renardo Green is one of your stalwarts coming back next year, but he, who knows where he lines up. If Cypress is locked and loaded as an outside corner, and that's, I think, where we're trending in, yes. you know, right now, and then AZ Thomas takes off of that position, then maybe you could slide Renardo Green back to safety. At that point, I'm feeling pretty good about things, especially if you can lock down the slot position, if it be Kevin Knowles or Greedy Vance or Jerry on. Uh, there are some options there at defensive back. I think the only way that linebacker gets to that level of improvement is if you've got a freak on your hands in Blake Nicholson. And if you do, then maybe linebacker can be in that conversation, but that's an underdog right now. Get down or lay down. Thank you for the contribution. Can Thanks, we man. get an Ira and Aslan versus two Noel upperclassmen team in, <laughs> in pickleball? So you guys want to go to war, get down or lay down, says in pickleball. You guys can talk shop while playing competitive pickleball. You guys can call it. Trapped in the pickle jar with <laughs> what do you think, Ira? Do you buy? Do you buy this idea as a good one? Uh, yeah, I don't know if we can work out the microphones and all that, it's a little technically uh, challenging. But uh, Aslan and I are uh, maybe we're, Aslan and I threw out the challenge today to uh, Corey and Stephanie to get back on the tennis court. That was back in that throwing it back to uh, the, the pandemic. That was our big activity, is uh, Aslan and I would play Corey and Stephanie in tennis. So I've heard a lot of good things about pickleball, I would like to try it out. I don't know that uh. Not sure that we're going to make this work, but but it's a good idea. We appreciate it, man. So you you play indoor? Is it racquetball? What do you play from time I, to time? Yeah, I played racquetball my whole life since I was okay. like twelve. Um, but lately, because since the pandemic, I played more tennis, and so, I've enjoyed it. It's a lot of fun. Two paddle sports. People who love pickleball are like uh, NHL fans, and I'm I'm a hockey fan. Like there is no middle ground. If if you like pickleball, like you're nuts for it. 
uh, and there are you know courts all over the country being converted to pickleball. I have no idea what the, I I know the sound of it, but I've never seen it. Uh, maybe we should get together for it's, maybe a war chant uh, pickleball game. Yeah, it's basically like almost like almost like ping pong, but on a half of a tennis court. Okay. Like you you're on the tennis court, or they do them indoors as well. But uh, it's yeah, it's more like a paddle like a paddle than a than a racket. Um, looks fun though, man. Everybody like you said, everybody that plays it uh, loves it. And and I'm talking about I've got friends that are 60 to play it, yep. and I've got friends that are 25 and play it. Yeah, same thing. Uh, my wife's boss is crazy for it. He's in his 60s. It makes him feel young again. Uh, we have a question earlier about the NFL draft. It's from 850Daddy, and he asks, how many guys do you expect to go pro after this year? Now, this Ooh, is boy. we were going to chew on. I was saving this for a little feature with uh, the, the group here at WarChan TV as we get closer to this year's NFL draft because there's a couple slash few maybe Florida State names that could be called in the seven rounds of the NFL draft this year. Next year, Ira, the draft class from Florida State is going to be in the double digits, I would think, right? In terms of guys, not UFAs, but dudes that are called in the seven rounds could very well be 10 guys. It could be. Yeah, I mean, it definitely could be. Um, it's going to be, that's going to be a busy pro day. I know that much because there's going to be a ton of dudes, uh, you know, and and yeah, they could have some really high draft picks. I mean, I, you know, the list on three just put out a list today of the what they believe are the top 10 players in college football. And they had Jared Verse at number five. Didn't have Jordan Travis on the list. Yep. I like that uh, our social media went after him a little bit. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think it's – um, yeah, there's a ton of guys. And, and then those guys that came in, Braden Fisk, some of those offensive linemen, some of them have more than one year to play if they want it, but they might be gone after one year. Uh, yeah, there's a, a Trey Benson and Johnny Wilson. And, I mean – it's uh, it's it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a busy it's gonna be a busy uh, couple months there after the season. You might see some coaches that you've heard of, <laughs> like there's some years where you know you, yeah. Mike Tomlin always makes his way down yes. in Tallahassee, uh, but you wouldn't see so, you know many of the other coaches that were on in part of successful organizations. That that's gonna be the case next year at this time. Uh, Jamie Robinson though seems to have done well for himself, Ira, in the Senior Bowl this year, and and has uh, increased his draft stock as much as he possibly can. We'll have you covered there on warchant.com uh and as we take some more questions before we close up in the final 10 minutes here of monday smash i need to remind you about 200 of you here on monday february the 20th throw us a thumbs up and uh, like subscribe to warchant tv it's absolutely free on youtube and if you hit the bell you'll be alerted every time we go live as in tomorrow at 1 p.m for a live edition of seminal headlines i believe Corey's local uh this he week. is yes. all right so the three gentlemen will be in the studio, uh, 93.3 FM in Tallahassee, live here on WarChan TV, 1 p.m. If you just want to set it and forget it, hit the bell next to the subscribe button, and you'll always be alerted when we go live. Uh, Ira, let me ask you this. As we're going into spring camp, we're going to do some more videos previewing spring camp, one of the most well-covered springs in the history of Florida State football. Uh what position group are you most excited to cover? I've asked you this before, but I find myself changing my opinion day by day. As we sit here today, what is the position group you can't wait to go cover uh, when we get started on the sixth? It might be the offensive line, um, although it could be the defensive line. I think yep. it's going to be fun to watch the trenches. Tom, I think you and I are going to have a little more company when we're watching the trenches than usual. Usually Corey and Aslan and everybody else are kind of floating over there to the seven-on-seven. You're always locked in with the trenches. I'm a lot of times I'm over there with you, uh, but I think that's going to be. I, I I I was thinking about it, like just daydreaming about it. Like 
there weren't a, a lot of great battles I, in a lot of practices because so many of the the best players, especially in the offensive line, really on the defensive line this past year, were all hurt. Yeah. So they didn't take part in a lot of those real physical contact days. Dylan Gibbons was held out a lot of, of a lot of those. Um, you know, Jason Turnantine was held out a lot of those. Maurice Smith was held out of some of those. Fabian on the other Fa- side. Fabian Lovett was held out a lot of those. I mean, yeah. you know, and Jared, there really wasn't a reason for him to do some of those, but maybe there would be now. So that's going to be fun, especially in the spring. You'd think they'd let them loose a little bit, right? So I, that some of the best battles we saw last year were maybe some of the underclassmen, but this this could be a lot of fun. Yeah, Tafasi was a guy who stood yeah. out in those one on ones. Like you know, we can we can report on what we see in a drill, but we can't get into the, the specifics as it's happening. Uh, maybe that's time for a story or two. I can tell you that um, one of my favorite moments you could see it lining up because you're right. Once you get past that first wave, some guys would do only one individual right. head-on-head rep, and then they're done, and you can kind of see they're going to coach their teammates. But it was lining up early on in camp, and it was Armella versus Verse. And, and yeah. you know, at, they're at the right guard versus the D-tackle on that side, but you can see in three positions, here we go. <laughs> and those two throw down. Every time they go head-to-head, there's a healthy camaraderie. Sometimes it gets feisty, but there's a healthy camaraderie. And uh, you're going to see a whole hell of a lot more of that, Ira, because even Fabian Lovett can't take a break now. The defensive interior rotation is too stacked. You'll lose your job if you sit out too many reps. Yeah, and we're you know I'm curious to see Braden Fisk. He, you know he had a shoulder procedure at the end of last season, so we don't know that if he's going to be full go for spring or what part of it. So he's a guy you really want to see kind of lock up inside and see what he can do, moving people around. I don't know how much of that we'll see this spring. We'll have to see, but but yeah, man, those Verse and Armello were fun to watch and. There were a couple times where you know the veteran would you know take advantage of Armella's youth on a couple of occasions. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, the thing that impressed me, and I know you felt the same way, and then sharing this with people who weren't able to come out there to practice, Julian Armella, it didn't matter what happened. If Jared Verse did whatever he did to him on one rep, that dude lined right back up and was ready to win the next rep. And that was real impressive. I that that I just, he's impressive physically. He's impressive. He's a talent. There's no question about it. But just the way he, man, just never thought twice about just running back in there, wanting to go at it again was impressive. Yeah. R. Wilmer says, uh, always good for it to be a little edgy. Yeah. And it is at times, sometimes in the interior as well. Uh, one of the battles I love watching head to head was uh, Farmer versus Demetri Emanuel. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that was always good theater. And there were some days, again, this is what good football teams present is, you know, there are times when Emmanuel just looked foolish. And then there were times where Farmer's getting chewed out by Odell as he's being blocked and Odell's getting closer and closer <laughs> and yelling at him saying, get off the block, and he can't do it. You just love to see that back and forth because for so long, Ira, especially when it when it was that offensive line, it's just there was no contest. So there's, there's nothing to learn. But now you have mm-hmm. tangible things that you can see improvement-wise from the O-line in a practice-by-practice basis. Well, and I remember last year, uh, Devonte Love Taylor saying that when he was a fifth year senior, six year senior, he might have been that when Josh Farmer was a freshman, like that first spring, he came in as an early enrollee and basically was calling out Devonte Love Taylor, like I want you, like I want the oldest guy in this group, and that's kind of the attitude he has. I'm also curious to see what having his buddy Daryl Jackson next to him because those guys have been friends for a long time. They played together in high school. I think Josh Farmer's been trying to get him to Florida State for the last three or four years. I remember when Josh Farmer committed to Florida state, Josh Farmer in his first interview, I I could go back and find it. When he committed to Florida state in that interview, he talked about 
he goes, listen, you got my teammate. He's six foot six. He needs to be here too. He was campaigning to Florida State to sign Daryl Jackson out of high school. They end up not getting him. He goes to Maryland. Then he goes to Miami. They didn't get him that time. Now they have him. He's got his running mate. Um, I think those two guys are going to be fun to watch, just kind of lining up next to each other in practice. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. We'll close with this thought here on Monday Smash on War Chan TV. It's a question, Ira, about who are they going to miss? I'm going to take Jamie Robinson out of the answer uh, column, and I'm going to take Dylan Gibbons out of the answer column. As Florida State heads into its first camp of 2023, who do you think they're going to miss the most out of the rest of the guys that aren't here for whatever reason? Eligibility is gone. They decided to enter the transfer portal. Mm. Who's FSU going to miss this year? You know, a guy that, you know, two guys that I, that come to mind. One, the first one that comes to mind to me is Treshawn Ward. Um, I just think Treshawn, from a chemistry, morale, yeah. just, you know, one of those guys that it makes you sad a little bit, right? Because we got, again, this is where this isn't bragging that we get to be a practice. It's just trying to convey it to people who aren't at practice. But you probably, people could probably see it on the videos from practice. But like watching Treshawn and Trey Benson in that running back room, the way they, dance, you know, you know, coming onto the field together or uh, the way they celebrated or the way they just, you know, the, their interaction, the way they challenge each other and push each other. Treshawn Ward was in some ways, I felt like kind of the heart of that team to some degree. I mean, he, you know, coming in a walk on, proving himself, becoming a starter, um, you know, playing through injuries and all these things. And, and so now he's left and I, it makes perfect sense that he left. I get why he left. He was not going to beat out Trey Benson. But that, you know, there's something special about that that part of it. So he's a guy. And then Pokey Wilson, I think you might miss just from a consistency standpoint. I thought he was a real dependable weapon in the receiving game, sometimes when they really needed it. But Treshawn would be my guy, I think. Yeah, Treshawn's a great answer because also he brings a different style of running. They're going to have to find yeah. somebody. And maybe it's Trey Benson who can add the versatility, but somebody who can just hit the running lane quickly. And Trey, uh, Trey Benson's strength sometimes is that he will be patient and waits and then he hits it. But Treshawn never waited, and, and that was to Florida State's benefit in the bowl game. Different styles. Benson couldn't get it going. Treshawn Ward was right there. Who is going to be that guy who can pick up the mantle if Benson's not having a hot day? Is it Lawrence Toafili? Is it Rodney Hill? Is it Keziah Holmes? Right. The answer is in camp. But for me, Ira, the guy that he just seemed to be getting going, and uh, I'm bummed, it's Malik McLean. McLean had showed towards the end of the season the versatility of, of a bunch of different traits that you love in a number two receiver, which is the Syracuse stiff arm. Uh, he made a tough catch in the back of the end zone uh, late in the season, and obviously the deep post against Florida, which was a great catch and a big moment as Florida State and Florida were trading score for score in the second half. He's taking the lid off of defenses. It looked like Malik McLean was going to a different level. It's not like FSU doesn't have more options at receiver. I, I understand that completely. It just seemed like that career was going to to a different place. So, uh, you know, FSU is going to have to fill multiple roles uh, at wide receiver. Pokey Wilson was steady Eddie and a big play machine guy, and then Malik was developing. Uh, but that that would be my answer on defense. You know, there is just there is no second place. Jamie Robinson is one, two, and three of the guys they're going to miss. 
Uh, yeah. I, you know, and I, I wish Robert Cooper's last year would have been more what he was capable of. And, and that's the thing, like, you know, you go back to last year and there's been this constant argument or debate about whether or not the defense was any good last year. All the game, you know, people could point to the games where the, you know, other teams like LSU and Florida ran the ball really well. And some other teams as well. I would point to the fact you didn't have Fabian Lovett for most of the season and Robert Cooper was never healthy. Look at Robert Cooper's numbers from two years ago or, or three years. He was a four year starter. Look at his production every other year until last year when he had a bad wing. He's had a procedure after the season to get something fixed on his, his elbow or his shoulder, something. Um, he was not healthy all year. And I wish, so I miss him not for his production in 2022, yeah. but because he was just a really good guy. You're talking about a guy that came in originally committed to Jimbo Fisher, stuck it with, stuck through it all with Ian Leonard Warner and Pokey Wilson, stuck through it to the coaching change to Coach Taggart, bought into Mike Norvell, stayed around to see the success under that this coaching staff. So those guys, I think, have a special place in your heart too. Even if the production, you know, and I don't know that if Robert Cooper was still here, I don't know how much he plays this year with what they've done at defensive tackle. But but he's a guy I think you miss from a chemistry standpoint. And definitely in third and shorter goal line, he definitely would have played in those situations given the size. Uh, promo time as we wrap up here on the Monday Smash on Warchan TV once again tomorrow, 1 p.m. live on the channel. Seminal headlines. We'll have Wake Up Warchan content all throughout the week on Warchan TV. I think a new episode is dropping for sure on Thursday. Uh, then also we've got coverage of uh, leading up to camp. There's a video that's on the channel right now of Jeff Cameron and I. We got together this morning for an impromptu President's Day, a couple of recordings talking about the offensive line. We've got Adam Fuller joining the JCS on Wednesday. We're recording that interview on Wednesday morning around 1130. We'll run it for you in the 1 p.m. hour on Wednesday show. We should secure Alex Atkins as well. Uh, Ira, any more content items for the channel, but certainly also on the website side, we are a multimedia empire. What do we got coming up on WordCamp this week? Yeah, we're really cranking out the uh, pre-spring stuff right now. Last week, we focused a lot on baseball. It was the start of the Link Jarrett era. Uh, and now that they're on the road this week, they do have the game Tuesday in Jacksonville and then this weekend at TCU, which we talked about earlier. So we've got some time to kind of refocus on spring football. We'll be out there in next the end of next week for the tour of duty. And then they'll be in the spring football. And so that's within like less than two weeks away. Now we'll be covering spring football practice. So uh, we're Corey and I are writing some stories to go along as well. Kind of previewing spring practice, the newcomers to watch some of the key position battles point uh, areas of the team where um, the they, players need to step up. You know, this team was not, they did win 10 games. They were improved in a lot of areas, but there's still a couple areas where they really need to get better. So we're kind of diving into some, some of those things as well. Also got a new position coach, Patrick Sertan, and we get to see uh, exactly what he's all about. Uh, we're looking forward to that in spring practice as well. We'll ask Adam Fuller about that on Wednesday for sure. So we've got you covered. The warchant.com slash warchant TV multimedia empire. We're on a Monday night. There's a whole week ahead of great coverage. Uh, there's also the Diamond Sports tomorrow night. Jacksonville is where Florida State baseball heads. Looking forward to the weekend. It's on Big 12 now, apparently. It's kind of like the ACC Network. Uh, if you're trying to get those games over the weekend, I have no idea. If somebody's got to log into Big 12 now, uh, Tom at Warchant.com, Ira at Warchant.com, uh, we'll, we'll have it all covered this week for you. Yeah, and, 
And if you're on the WarChant site, if you're on WarChant.com, we do keep a running thread during all games. So if you want to come, if you're a subscriber to WarChant, or if you're not, you can start your subscription and we'll have a live chat. You can chat with me or Corey, whoever's running the thread, uh, giving you updates on the games. Latson, Enfield, Cam Smith, a lot of big names to watch here as uh, the spring rolls on for director Ben behind the scenes, who has done a great job producing the program. Our thanks to Peter Schoenthal for being a guest of ours tonight and Ira Schofel, the managing editor of Warchant.com. My name is Tom Lang. We will talk to you next time on Warchant TV. Throw us a thumbs up. Subscribe to the channel. It's absolutely free.